morning. Good morning. All right, that's much better. Thank you. We got to kind of get going in the morning every once in a while. And we are very glad that you're with us today for worship. We give God thanks for you. And we are thankful that you have chosen to gather with this beautiful people to be a part of the service this morning. Uh, if you are new to us, we particularly welcome you. We have information that we would love to share with you. Just ask. And we also have friendship pads that we use as a way of meeting each other by name. If necessary, you can pass those, put in any information you choose to add. Uh, but hopefully that's just a tool, a tool for us to say welcome and a tool for us to get to know each other. And we are very happy to be together in the house of the Lord this day. This week I was hearing someone talk about how they had prayed for help and then someone came to help them. And it's a wonderful story, a story that maybe you've heard over and over again. Someone said, God, will you please help me? And then a stranger or a person in their uh, network has actually given them aid. But it caused me to wonder, can God answer prayers if there's no one there to respond to the prayers that are offered? For example, if... People in the world were praying for help, and there was no one in the world that felt led to help them. Could that prayer for God's help be answered? And it caused a cold chill to run through my spine. Recognizing that there are probably a lot of unanswered prayers that are offered in sincerity by people around the world that have not been picked up by a faithful person that has been able to be led by God in order to answer that prayer. That we often wonder, well, why isn't God doing more? And I think the question would be better placed upon us, why aren't we doing more? And it doesn't have anything to be big or grand. But part of what worship is, is an opportunity for us, and I feel like I've gone from preaching from the welcome to the preaching here, but part of what worship does is it attunes ourselves to the needs of the world. And out of that fine-tuning, we might be led to say, oh, I should do this. And it doesn't have to get to be anything grand or big. It could just be something very small. Giving a check to $10 to, to a place that you know needs help. It doesn't look like a lot, but if everyone here gave $10, that's a significant amount of money. If everyone gathered in worship today would give $10 for a particular cause, that would be a pretty significant amount of help, wouldn't it? That it takes just a little bit of things by each individual led by God that helps God answer prayers. And so this is serious stuff that you and I are engaged in as a worshiping community. That we are gathered here this morning to hear God's call of love for the world and to not only receive it, but also to seek to be empowered to share it. This is the start of a new school year. Always an opportunity to get going all over again. May you hear God's call. And may you respond to it with joy. Because there's a lot of prayers being offered that perhaps you particularly might be able to answer.
morning. Rise as you are able and let us join in responsively reading the call to worship. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise the Lord with the lyre. Make melody with the harp. Sing to the Lord a new song. For God's word and God's work is faithful. God's steadfast love fills the earth. Our hearts are glad and rejoice. Let us worship the living God in spirit and in truth. Join me in the invocation. Most gracious God, we greet you once again in this sacred space. We've come because we need to be reminded of your love and your expectations for our living. We are like the vine you planted 
watered and protected. We know in our hearts that we need, want, and deserve your presence in our lives. So we come in prayer and listen for your word to speak to our hearts and reveal again your desires for us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Please greet your neighbors around you. Listen as I read Isaiah 5, 1 through 7. Let me sing for my beloved for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. He expected it to yield grapes but it yielded wild grapes. And now, inhabitants of Jerusalem and people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I expected it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste, and it shall not be pruned or hoed. It shall be overgrown with briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is, is the house of Israel, and the people of Judah are his pleasant planting. He expected justice, but saw bloodshed, righteousness, but heard a cry. For the word of God that works its way into us. Sometimes the words that we read in our scriptures can be difficult to understand. Sometimes they can be challenging to us, and uh, and sometimes um, they can uh, can be difficult for us to hear. Um, but we know that in the greater context of the life of God, um, we see love and acceptance and grace and a continual gathering in and bringing in of all peoples to the beautiful love and welcome of God, and God invites us all into that. And the beautiful thing is that God invites our entire selves uh, into this experience, because uh, being a human being can be kind of weird, can it, sometimes? I don't know about you, but, you know, sometimes I feel... A little weird. Um, we're caught between what feels like oppositions. We're embodied individuals who long for community. We're physical beings who dream in eternity. We're earthly vessels that contain depths of spirit. 
And wherever we go, we don't go alone. We carry with us our earthly frames. We carry with us our ancestors, our DNA. We carry with us loved ones who have gone before, the voices of friends and family. We carry the aches and the pains of our bodies as they age, and we carry the scars that still linger on our souls from hurts that happened long ago and yesterday. So this morning, we bring our full selves to God. And we're going to take a few moments and pray together, and I'm going to play quietly and invite you to um, a simple experience of prayer where we can just open our hands with our palms up to God, if you should choose to do that this morning, where we can offer ourselves to God. And whatever comes up in our minds and whatever we bring before God, I believe that whenever that comes before the face of God, if we look deeply into the eyes of Jesus, we will see one thing, and that is love. So as we bring these things before God in a few moments of quiet reflection this morning, I invite you, as you wish, to open your hands, if you want to, to your palms, raised to the, to the heavens and offer these things to God, our whole selves before God who loves us and cares for us and invites us to a beautiful and beloved community. Let's pray together. Lord, hear our prayers. Thank you for your boundless love, not just for us, but for our world, for those far beyond these walls, that you are bringing justice and that you are bringing peace, and that you are inviting us to part of your good work, to 
join our hands and our feet, to join our lives together, to be a part of your beloved community. So we are grateful for the generous welcome that you have offered to us, our full selves, from our deepest joys to our darkest secrets. Enveloped in grace by the love of God and Jesus Christ our Lord. We thank you and pray these things in his blessed name. Amen. Let's pray again, please. Dear God, I think it's easier to throw in the towel sometimes than it is to hang in. Sometimes it's easier to find reasons not to love than to demand love. 
Sometimes it's easier to hold on to the wealth and the blessings that we've been given rather than to share them. It's easier. God empowers this morning to not give up, to love, to give, to share, to be examples as best we can be of Christ's love and openness and welcome in this world that hears very few messages of those things. Bless us and guide us as we seek to do your will. Amen. Please be seated.
As you are able, I invite you to stand now for the hearing of the gospel lesson today, found in the 12th chapter of the gospel of Luke, as we listen to these words from Jesus. Luke 12, beginning in verse 49. I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and what stress I am under until it is completed. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say it's going to rain. And so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say there will be scorching heat. And it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky. But why do you not know how to interpret the present time? The Gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You may be seated. Let us pray. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O God, our strength and our Redeemer. This is a rough gospel text, one hard to hear and one difficult to preach. Frederick Buechner once said that the gospel is bad news before it is good news. And indeed, this sounds like bad news from our Lord. A message that challenges our image of Jesus as all meek and mild. It threatens the Christmas message from the angels, heralding good news that the Messiah will bring peace to the earth and stripped from the domestication that Jesus suffers from a church unwilling to earnestly follow his radical call to love. He can sound like an anarchist, one who wants to shake up the established order because he enjoys the role of being the agitator and the troublemaker. So what are we to do with a Jesus who puts us off before lifting us up? Who confronts us before he comforts us? Who calls out our lazy habits and too comfortable loyalties before he can truly establish his beloved community of just and right living through just and right relationships. You know, all wounds cannot be healed 
simply by applying a little bit of cream and putting a Band-Aid on top. Some wounds are so deep down, so systemic, that they require a more thorough cleaning out. Sometimes they require a disruptive intervention, like surgery. Sometimes the healing necessitates a cauterization, purifying by fire what cannot be achieved through the good wishes of the status quo. And from our perspective, it can all look like destruction. But isn't that one of the main problems of us coming from privilege? The arrogance we cling to, believing we alone have all the answers. It's sobering, but may be helpful to always remember that for Native Americans, July 4th is not a day of celebration, but a day of mourning. And we are in this very difficult time of transition. So much so we feel like the, the foundations are crumbling around us. And the question for the church is what are we going to do? with this foreboding forecast on the horizon. Over the summer, a few astronomers have been concerned about the red spot on the planet Jupiter. It's one of the most recognizable features in our solar system. As common as our own moon or the rings around Saturn, almost all of us can picture the red spot on the solar system's largest planet. And at its largest, that red spot can have three worlds next to each other, three worlds wide, this spot on that planet. The astronomers were watching this as they have since the 17th century and noticed that from the late 1900s, that spot has been shrinking. And from 2012, the shrinkage appears to be accelerating, fearing that it might become extinct. Now, there's many theories about what's going on. Some suggest that the flares are really work of storms coming back into the spot rather than away, or that it's like a cream brulee, this this presentation above with all this other stuff going on underneath. If one of you all grow up and become an astronaut, go to Jupiter, tell me what actually is going on. But, but I have to confess to you, when I learned about the possibility of that red spot disappearing, I felt strangely comforted. I mean, clearly this is something I had nothing to do with. And far beyond, as well, the actions and failures of a world that often can make things different and mess things up. It told me that even something so far beyond of my human agency or the agency of the whole human race is subject to tremendous change. Things change. It's a fact of nature. 
embedded in the very power of the universe itself. Nothing stays exactly the same as it once was before. It may take a long time, so long that I may not be able to perceive how it's evolving, but everything is in a constant stage of flux, adaptation, and eventual transformation. Jesus says, He did not come to bring peace on the earth, but division. And to mix up the metaphors with our Isaiah reading, this change may require a reorganization with households and families even finding division within them if we're going to figure out how to best manage the vineyard. Jesus says, get on my page. And it may be uncomfortable. And if we are to get on Jesus' page with this transforming call, we may need to question the typical way things are. To confront the unjust power and greedy abuses that exploit the poor and refuses to help those who most need it. And I believe it starts here. With the people of God and our organization and even reorganization with what we call the church. Those of us who are called out by Christ away from the corrupt practices of the world to build a new beloved community working for reconciliation and justice who seek authenticity and know we're going to make some mistakes and therefore we must practice grace and forgiveness who band together with a fierce commitment often in very small tiny groups believing that while our part may look very insignificant to the world around us, within what we accomplish together by living out the prayer of Jesus to bring heaven to earth, we are indeed the power of God and the hope of the world. Consider, you did not choose the time of your birth. You did not choose the place of your birth. You did not choose your country or the family you were born into. And maybe these sources of life have been a tremendous amount of blessing for you. And if so, I celebrate the good heritage that you have enjoyed. But pastoral experience and your own experience teaches that there are far too many other stories. Stories where children have been abused, rejected, and abandoned by their parents. Stories of where a family member has been rejected because they knew within them there was something that they clung to as a part of their identity that was so shameful to their larger family that they had to hide away or suffer the rejection of the family that gave them birth. We know too many stories of people that have been hurt by churches, Rejected by those who are around them just because they were different. And at one time, these kind of divisions perhaps were based in gender or race or now through difference of sexual orientation and attachment. Perhaps the greatest dividing line in all churches 
is the hardest one to master. It's the difference we have in our culture that is divided by social economic barriers. And that there is this convention of the world that exists, a hierarchy of power and a system of greed. And Jesus hopes to build a new community, a new family, a new household. And at times that may put us at odds with those places that gave us birth. That we are a chosen community. A place where you can begin with God's help to create the very type of world that Jesus taught us to pray into existence. A place where our needs are burdened together. Where people are not judged by age, race, gender, sexual orientation, marital status, gross income, or zip code. Where the wealthy and connected are as valuable as the poor and the forgotten where there is no exploitation of power, where others won't try to make themselves feel good by keeping another person down, a place where if you mess up, you can start again, a place with a welcome and a belonging like no other place on earth. If the land is crying out for justice and righteousness, isn't it time for the church to respond? Isn't it time for the church not to give up? Isn't the world clamoring for the very thing that we in Christ have been empowered to offer? Isn't the church a place that can be a message that that which is unjust cannot be tolerated by God or by us and that we will stand up for the dignity and the integrity of each human person that we won't draw classifications about who's in the in-group or who has the right status or who has the, the right legal belonging simply because they exist as humans seeking a better world. How are we able to stand in judgment over them? And we can put our complete trust in this belief that Christ is at work at work in us, at work in the church. Yes, at work in the world. And we recognize through grace that death is not the end. But indeed, it is resurrection. That the cause of goodness, no matter how bleak, will turn out victorious in the end. In 1952, Reinhold Niebuhr, a theologian, wrote these powerful words to a culture getting ready to move into the joy of the 50s in his book, The Irony of American History. He said this, nothing that is worth doing can be achieved in our lifetime. Therefore, we must be saved by hope. Nothing which is true or beautiful or good makes complete sense in any immediate context of history. Therefore, we must be saved by faith. Nothing we do, however virtuous, can be accomplished alone 
Therefore, we must be saved by love. No virtuous act is quite as virtuous from the standpoint of our friend or foe as it is from our standpoint. Therefore, we must be saved by the final form of love, which is forgiveness. We cannot do good and tolerate injustice. We cannot truly help others and always want to play it safe. We cannot confront evil and surrender to fuzzy thinking and half-truths. But it's time. It's time to look up because our salvation comes from on high. It's time to wake up. Because this moment in our history is critical, it's time to rise up. Because Jesus is calling us to a whole new way of living. I think this time is like the 50th anniversary du jour. Everywhere we turn in 2019, we're remembering something that happened 50 years ago in 1969. I'm sure some of you, with a little smirk on your face, are remembering what happened 50 years ago this weekend in the United States. August 15th, 16th, and 17th, in a farm in upstate New York, a group of young idealist people hoping to change the world, Expecting maybe 15,000 and then maybe 150,000 and then eventually 400,000 showed up for three days of music and a few other things I can't mention in the sermon. <laughs> but someone on Spotify, which for those of you that may not know is an online music resource, has put together a playlist. And you can listen to every song that was performed at Woodstock in order, on the right order of each day. And so this week, though I was 10 years old when Woodstock happened, as someone influenced by a lot of those great artists, I started listening to the playlist. And some of the recordings are from Woodstock, but some were not recorded there, so they just kind of put them in where they occur on a different album. And, and I was listening to Amazing Grace by Arlo Guthrie. Yes, Amazing Grace was sung at Woodstock for all you people that thought they were all heathens over there. And the recording that I listened to was from 1993 when he was with Pete, Sir, uh, Pete Seeger before a, a, an audience. And in the middle of Amazing Grace, he told a story that he said was one of the favorite of his father, Woody Guthrie, who, as you know, fought his own battles with fascist and corporate control and trying to rise up for the common man. And the story involved a mama rabbit and a papa rabbit. And they were just doing their rabbit thing on a lovely day, munching on grass and twitching their nose, their floppy ears, kind of listening to things that were going on. And, and off in the distance, the sound of a pack of dogs had carried across the wind and they heard it, but didn't pay any attention until the sound became a little bit louder. And, and they were still munching and going along with what they normally do on a lovely day. But, but they were paying attention this time. Until finally across the dense woods and in a little bit of a clearing, they saw the dogs run past. 
as the sound of their barking got louder and louder, and the dogs were just doing the dog things that they do. Tails wagging crazily, ears pinned back, running, smelling, sniffing, salivating. And before you know it, they were on those rabbits. They had made it through the clearing, and the rabbits took off in a dart, moving, cajoling, switching, trying to get out of the path of the dogs, but they were only becoming more and more incensed in their pursuit. And, and, and right in the nick of time, the rabbits were able to get into a hollow of a log as they heard the dogs barking above. The mama rabbit said, I don't think we're going to get out of this alive. And the papa rabbit just smiled and said, it's going to be all right. We'll just stay down here till we outnumber them. <laughs> There's always hope. There's always the possibility that God has something to reveal that we have yet to experience it. There's always something that God in Christ has ready. Just like those disciples who thought the movement was over and their leader was dead, sealed in a tomb, ready to go back to life as it once was, only to recognize that the power of God had shined upon the earth and they would never be able to be the same again. We are a people of deep faith and great love. We are a people who can change the world. We are a people who are commissioned by the call of Christ to allow the way the world is to not be the way the world will always be. These are tough times. And there are real and tough challenges. And it's time for the church, our church, step up with love and with courage for the facing of this hour. And now we conclude our service with this hymn, How Firm a Foundation, May You Sing It, with faith, may you sing it in response. May you respond to God's call of grace in your life as we stand and sing hymn 463.
In a moment, I'll invite Charles to come as we recognize uh, those in our church who are going through significant times of transition in the presentation of Bibles. Um, you guys tired of school yet? If you shake your head, I'm sorry, you got a long way to go. Someone's again, I got a shaked head over there. We'll pray for these young people as we will do uh, in a, this formal presentation. But before Charles comes, uh, you might have read this morning that he will be taking paternity leave. Uh, he and um, Michelle have welcomed the wonderful new edition. You're looking at him like I'm going to mess up the words here. <laughs> Uh, the birth of Edith, and uh, Michelle's going back to school now and has gone back to school, I believe. Are you tired of school yet? <laughs> Teachers get a pass on being tired already. Um, and so Charles will be staying home as they make the transition uh, for her moving into daycare later this fall, and so he'll be out for the month of September. Uh, but before he comes to have uh, a last Sunday before that break, uh, I need your help, and we need your help. And that is in our atrium ministries. Uh, Laura Levins, as volunteer, who's right here on the front row, has been helping organize uh, three or four classrooms. Three classrooms that need some folks to volunteer, particularly this month, but also moving forward into the fall. Uh, I'm taking a couple of Sundays in October, so I'm not asking anything from you that I myself am not also planning to do. Um, and you are able to uh, work one or two weeks. You could be a, on a sub list to cover an absence. You could work for a full month or you could work one semester in one particular class. She would love to talk with you about the different possibilities and she will be outside just kind of close to the TV with a sign up list if you would like to volunteer today to help in our children's ministries, especially recognizing that as we want to provide these breaks for those who serve us so well, uh, we also need to help cover their absences. So this is an opportunity uh, that I gladly welcome you to join. And Charles, now come forward in the recognition of, is it first and sixth graders? Yes. I like to ask our first graders and our sixth graders, uh, those that are transitioning to new schools, and, uh, to come forward right now. We're going to give you all some Bibles. Uh, Ethan has graciously uh, offered to help hand out the Bibles. Ethan is going to college in two days, so uh, this is kind of a, 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 good <laughs> it's a good blessing for him to kind of give his wisdom and, and give these things to him, although he didn't write the Bible, but he thinks he did. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Yeah, our first graders are receiving an NIV a Reader's Bible. And our, our sixth graders who are new to our youth group are getting the NRSV, which is uh, what, <laughs> what we use and learn, in the, learn from in the youth group. <laughs> oh, oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to, to each of you, uh, we hope that these Bibles will travel with you through life and sit on tables and bookshelves and desks as you learn to read and learn to become better readers, that they will help you learn and discover the glory and greatness of God 
as well as help you to answer the deepest of questions of your faith. Now will you join me in our blessing of the school year. And this is a blessing for each of our students as well as teachers, educators, administrators in our school system. As we begin a new school year, it is good to remember that God has given us the ability to learn many things. We ask God's blessing on this new school year, that it may be a time when we appreciate and fully use God's gift of learning. We ask God to bless our teachers, professors, and all others who dedicate their time to education. We ask God to bless our families as they walk with us this year through our learning. A new school year can be exciting or scary or both. Sometimes learning is fun and sometimes it is hard. But we know that whether we are excited or scared, whether school is fun or hard, God is always with us. Amen. Y'all can be seated. A couple of other announcements before you leave today. Our Women on Mission group is starting back on September 3rd at 2 p.m. That's a Tuesday that will be here at our church in the meeting room. Uh, you can find out more information about that in the foyer as well as on our website. Uh, their first time, um, the first meeting this semester will be Flockers Fighting Cancer, and a lot of you are familiar with that group, but they're doing a lot of great things and expanding very quickly in how they uh, raise money for cancer research, so come out and hear from them. Also, you will notice in our foyer, there's a big tree on the wall, and that tree has apples on it. We are partnering with Mary Todd and our Baby Boomers group, where's Patty Ingram? Patty Ingram has been gracious to uh, make those apples to go on the tree. You can find a list in the blue insert of books that are needed by some new teachers at Mary Todd Elementary School. Uh, those do not need to be brand new books. If you have these on your shelves at home that are gently used and you want to donate those, those are accepted as well. But Pat will be standing by the tree as you leave today if you have more questions or need help uh, picking an apple. Now I invite you to stand for our benediction. And the benediction this morning will be the same that we offered our school children that I offer for you. A new day can be exciting or scary or both. Sometimes living is fun, and sometimes it is hard. But we know whether we are excited or scared, whether life is fun or hard, God is always with us. Go in peace. Amen. Amen.